Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link to top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same web page, there's an option to subscribe called the Lesson Sign-Up tab. And if you click that, you can subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. And today we are beginning a new chapter, Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. Today we'll be reading Section 1, The Introduction. We're also mindful of today's lesson, which is Lesson 13, A Meaningless World Engenders Fear. At the top of the hour, we'll stop and uh, take a pause to reflect on that lesson this morning. And should anyone like to volunteer to lead our reflection in Fran's absence, that would be very much appreciated by all of us. By way of opening this morning, I was directed to this poem from David White called Still Possible. So to set our minds and hearts into today's reading, I'll offer this. It's still possible to fully understand you have always been the place where the miracle has happened. That you have been since your birth the bread given and the wine lifted, the change witnessed and the change itself. That you have secretly been all along a goodness that can continue to be a goodness to itself. It's still possible in the end to realize why you are here and why you have endured and why you might have suffered so much so that in the end you could witness love miraculously arriving from nowhere, crossing bravely as it does out of darkness from that great and spacious stillness inside you to the light-filled life of being said still possible. Amen. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Yes, thank you, Lori. Uh, I was happy to offer it, given that separation is only an illusion, huh? So anyway, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Charles, Diana, Jessica, Donna, Robin Marie, and Karen. We're joined in listening this morning by Judy and Thomas and Harrison. Who else may have joined us would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. This is Ida. I'm listening. Thanks. Good morning, Ida. Okay. So I'll start us off. Uh, with the first paragraph, and then we'll proceed down the list. The Illusion of Separation, Section 1, Introduction. 
This section deals with the fundamental misuse of knowledge, referred to in the Bible as the cause of the so-called fall or separation. There are some definitions which I asked you to take from the dictionary, which will be helpful here. They are somewhat unusual since they are not the first definitions which are given. Nevertheless, the fact that each of them does appear in the dictionary should be reassuring. Uh, Charles, if you'd like to read paragraph one and two, please. There we go. This section, chapter two, this section deals with a fundamental misuse of knowledge referred to in the Bible as a cause of the, quote, fall, quote, or separation. There are some definitions which I ask you to take from the dictionary, which will be helpful here. They are somewhat useful since they are not the first definitions which are given. Nevertheless, the fact that each of them does appear in the dictionary should be reassuring. Number two, Project, verb, to extend forward or out. Project, noun, a plan in the mind, or project, noun. World, a natural grand vision. Pass. Thank you, Charles. And Diana, if you'd like to read paragraph two and three, please. Sure. Paragraph two. Project. Verb. To extend forward or out. Project. Noun. A plan in the mind. World. A natural grand division. Number three. We will refer to the projection as related to both mental health, and mental illness. And we have already observed that man can create an empty shell, but he cannot create nothing at all. This emptiness provides the screen for the misuse of projection. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Jessica. Paragraph three, we will refer later to projection as related to both mental health and mental illness. We have already observed that man can create an empty shell, but he cannot create nothing at all. This emptiness provides the screen for the misuse of projection. Four. The Garden of Eden, which is described as a literal garden in the Bible, was not an actual garden at all. It was merely a mental state of complete need lack. Even in the literal account, it is noteworthy that the pre-separation state was essentially one in which man needed nothing. The, quote, tree of knowledge, unquote, is also an overly literal figure. 
These concepts need to be clarified before the real meaning of the separation or the, quote, detour into fear can be fully understood. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Four. The Garden of Eden, which is described as a literal garden in the Bible, was not an actual garden at all. It was merely a mental state of complete need lack. Even in the literal account, it is noteworthy that the pre-separation state was essentially one in which man needed nothing. The quote, tree of knowledge, end quote, is also an overly literal figure. These concepts need to be clarified before the real meaning of the separation or the, quote, detour into fear, end quote, can be fully understood. Five, to project as defined above is a fundamental attribute of God, which he gave to his son. In the creation, God projected his creative ability from himself to the souls he created, and he imbued them with the same loving will to create. The soul has not only been fully created, but has also been created perfect. There is no emptiness in it. Because of its likeness to its creator, it is creative. No child of God can lose this ability because it is inherent in what he is, but he can use it inappropriately. Whenever projection is used inappropriately, it always implies that some emptiness or lack exists and that it is in man's ability to put his own ideas there instead of truth. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie, if you would like to read... um Five, six, and seven, please. Five. To quote, project, unquote, as, as defined above, is a fundamental attribute of God, which he gave to his son. In the creation, God projected his creative ability from himself to the souls he created, and he also imbued them with the same loving will to create. The soul has not only been fully created, but has also been created perfect. There is no emptiness in it. Because of its likeness to its creator, it is creative. No child of God can lose this ability because it is inherent in what he is, but he can use it inappropriately. Whenever projection is used inappropriately, it always implies that some emptiness or lack exists and that it is in man's ability to put his own, ide- to put his own ideas there instead of truth. 
six. If you consider carefully what this entails, the following will become quite apparent. Seven. First, the assumption is implicit that what God created can be changed by the mind of man. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen, uh, if you'd like to read six, seven, and eight, please. If you consider fully what this entails, the following will become quite apparent. First, the assumption is implicit that what God created can be changed by the mind of man. Second, the concept that what is perfect can be rendered imperfect or wanting is accepted. Thank you, Karen. And do we have a new reader for paragraphs 8 through 10, please? I can do it. Well, thanks, Steve. Second, the concept that what is perfect can be rendered imperfect or wanting is accepted. Third, the belief that man can distort the creations of God, including himself, is accepted. Ten. Fourth, the idea that since man can create himself, the direction of his own creation is up to him is implied. Thank you, Steve. And would we have a new reader for paragraph... Uh, 9 through 11, please. This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Third, the belief that man can distort the creations of God, including himself, is accepted. Fourth, the idea that since man can create himself, the direction of his own creation is up to him, is implied. These related distortions represent a picture of what actually occurred in the separation. None of this existed before, nor does it actually exist now. The world was made as a natural grand division or a projecting outward of God. That is why everything that he created is like him. Projection, as undertaken by God, is very similar to the kind of inner radiance which the children of the Father inherit from him. It is important to note that the term project outward necessarily implies that the real source of projection is internal. This is as true of the Son of, of the Son as of the Father. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for eleven and twelve? Hi man. Thank you, Lori. Eleven and Thanks, twelve. Jude. Eleven and twelve. These related distortions represent a picture of 
what actually occurred in the separation. None of this existed before, nor does it actually exist now. The world was made as a, quote, a natural grand division, unquote, or a projecting outward of God, or a projecting outward of God. That is why everything that he created is like him. Projection, as undertaken by God, is very similar to the kind of inner radiance which the children of the Father inherit from him. It is important to note that the term, quote, project outward, unquote, necessarily implies that the real source of projection is internal. It is important to note that the term project outward necessarily implies that the real source, real source of projection is internal. This is as true of the Son as of the Father. Is as true of. (laughs) I love this line, of the Son as of the Father. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Judy, would you also like to read paragraph 12? No, that was enough. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, no. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'm just kidding. 12. The world, okay. the world in the original connotation of the term included both the proper creation of man by God and the proper creation of by man in his right mind. The latter required the endowment of man by God with free will because all loving creation is freely given. Nothing in these statements implies any sort of level involvement or, in fact, anything except one continuous line of creation in which all aspects are of the same order. Thank you, Judy. And would there be another new reader then for paragraph 12 and 13? Okay, back to you, Charles. Thank you. The world in the original connotation of the term included both proper, the proper creation of man by God and the proper creation by man in his right mind. The latter required the endowment of man by God with free will because all loving creations is freely given. Nothing in these statements implies any sort of level involvement or, in fact, anything except one continuous line of creation in which all aspects are of the same order. When the, quote, lies of the serpent, end quote, were introduced, they were specifically called, quote, lies, because they were not. They are not true. When man listened, all he heard was untruth. He does not have to continue to believe what is not true unless he chooses to do so. 
all of his miscreations can literally disappear in, quote, the twinkling of an eye, unquote, because they merely, they are merely visual misperceptions. Man's spiritual eye can sleep, but a sleeping eye can still see. What is seen in dreams seems to be very real. The Bible mentions that, quote, a deep sleep fell upon Adam, unquote. And nowhere is there any reference to his waking up. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Diana. Um, Chapter 13. When the, quote, lies of the serpent, unquote, were introduced, they were specifically called, quote, lies, unquote, because they were not true. When man listened, all he heard was untrue. He does not have to continue to believe what is not true unless he chooses to do so. All of his miscreations can literally disappear, quote, in the twinkling of an eye, unquote, because they are merely visual misperceptions. Man's spiritual eye can sleep, but a sleeping eye can still see. What is seen in dreams seems to be very real. The Bible mentioned that, quote, a deep sleep fell upon Adam, unquote, and nowhere is there any reference to his waking up. Chapter 14, the history of man in the world as he sees it has not yet been marked by any genuine or comprehensive reawakening or rebirth. This is impossible as long as man projects in the spirit of miscreation. It still remains within him. However, to project as God projected his own spirit to him. In reality, this is his only choice because his free will was given him for his own joy in creating the page. The perfect. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Jessica. Okay. Um, 13 and 14? No, I got it. Uh, it'd be 14 no. and 15. Yes, thank you. Okay, 14. The history of man in the world as he sees it has not yet been marked by any genuine or comprehensive reawakening or rebirth. This is impossible as long as man projects in the spirit of miscreation. It still remains within him, however, to project as God projected his own spirit to him. In reality, this is his only choice, because his free will was given him for his own joy in creating the perfect. 15. All fear is ultimately reducible to the basic misperception that man has the ability to usurp the power of God. It can only be emphasized 
that he neither can nor has been able to do this. In this fact lies the real justification for his escape from fear. The escape is brought about by his acceptance of the atonement, which places him in a position to realize that his own errors never really occurred. When the, quote, deep sleep fell upon Adam, he was in a condition to experience nightmares because he was asleep. If a light is suddenly turned on while someone is dreaming a fearful dream, he may initially interpret the light itself as part of his own dream and be afraid of it. However, when he awakens, the light is correctly perceived as the release from the dream, which is no longer accorded reality. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, Donna. Fifteen. All fear is ultimately reducible to the basic misperception that man has the ability to usurp the power of God. It can only be emphasized that he, that he neither can nor has been able to do this. In this fact lies the real justification for his escape from fear. The escape is brought about by his acceptance of the atonement which places him in a position to realize that his own errors never really occurred. When the, the quote, deep sleep, end quote, fell upon Adam, he was in a condition he was in a condition to experience nightmares because he was asleep. If a light is suddenly turned on while someone is dreaming a fearful dream, he may initially interpret the light itself as part of his own dream and be afraid of it. However, when he awakens, the light is correctly perceived and as the release from the dream, which is no longer Accorded reality. 16. It is quite apparent that this release does not depend on the kind of, quote, knowledge, end quote, which is nothing more than deceiving lies. The knowledge which illuminates rather than obscures is the knowledge which not only sets you free, but which also shows you clearly that you are free. Whatever lies you may believe are of no concern to the miracle, which can heal any of them with equal ease. It makes no distinction among misperceptions. Its its sole concern is to distinguish between truth on the one hand and all kinds of errors on the other. Some miracles may seem to be of greater magnitude than others. But remember, the first point in this course, that there is no order of difficulties in miracles. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. 
16, it is quite apparent that this release does not depend on the kind of, quote, knowledge, unquote, which is nothing more than deceiving lies. The knowledge which illuminates rather than obscures is the knowledge which not only sets you free, but which also shows you clearly that you are free. Whatever lies you may believe are of no concern to the miracle, which can heal any of them with equal ease. It makes no distinctions among misperceptions. Its sole concern is to distinguish between truth on the one hand and all kinds of errors on the other. Some miracles may seem to be of greater magnitude than others, but remember the first point in this course that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. 17. In reality, you are perfectly unaffected by all expressions of lack of love. These can be either from yourself and others or from yourself to others or from others to you. Peace is an attribute in you. You cannot find it outside. All mental illness is some form of external searching. Mental health is inner peace. It enables you to remain unshaken by lack of love from without and capable through your own miracles of correcting the external conditions which proceed from lack of love in others. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen, if you'd like to complete today with paragraph 17. In reality, you are perfectly unaffected by all expressions of lack of love. These can be either from yourself and others or from yourself to others or from others to you. Peace is an attribute in you. You cannot find it outside. All mental illness is some form of external searching. Mental health is inner peace. It enables you to remain unshaken by lack of love from without and capable through your own miracles of correcting the external conditions which proceed from lack of love in others. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone who read this morning and everyone who listened. And um, this is a tight little section, but some ideas that stand out, I think, we can highlight. Uh, This section deals with the fundamental misuse of knowledge. Fundamental misuse of knowledge referred to in the Bible as the cause of the so-called fall or separation. To project as a verb is to extend forward or out in the world as a natural grand division. In paragraph 3, man can create an empty shell, but he cannot create nothing at all. The emptiness of this natural grand division provides the screen for the misuse of projection. Paragraph 4, the Garden of Eden, or pre-separation state, 
was merely a mental state of complete need-lack in which man needed nothing. Paragraph 5. In the creation, God projected his creative ability from himself, himself to the souls he created, and he also imbued them with the same loving will to create. The soul has not only been fully created, but has also been created perfect. There is no emptiness in it. Because of its likeness to its creator, it is creative. No child of God can lose this ability because it is inherent in what he is. But he can use it inappropriately. Whenever projection is used inappropriately, it always implies that some emptiness or lack exists and that it is in man's ability to put his own ideas there instead of truth. That statement contains four assumptions. That what God created can be changed by the mind of man. That what is perfect can be rendered imperfect. The belief that man can distort the creations of God, including himself, is accepted in this idea. And finally, that man can create himself, thus the direction of his own creation is up to him, implied. From paragraph 11, distortions represent a picture of what, these distortions actually represent a picture of what seemed to occur in the separation. None of this existed before, nor does it actually exist now. The world was made as a natural grand division or a projecting outward of God. That is why everything he created is like him. Projection as undertaken by God is very similar to the kind of inner radiance which the children of the Father inherit from him. It is important to note that the term project outward necessarily implies that the real source of projection is internal. This is as true of the Son as it is of the Father. In paragraph 12, the world in the original connotation of the term included both the proper creation of man by God and the proper creation by man in his right mind. The latter required the endowment of man by God with free will because all loving creation is freely given. Nothing in these statements implies any sort of level involvement. There is nothing except one continuous line of creation in which all aspects are of the same order. In paragraph 13, when man chose to believe the untrue, no wait, I'm going to say that differently. When lies of the serpent, so-called lies of the serpent, were introduced, they were specifically called lies because they are not true. When man listened, all he heard was untruth. He does not have to continue to believe what is not true unless he chooses to do so. All miscreations can literally disappear in the twinkling of an eye because they are merely visual misperceptions. Spiritual eye can sleep, but the sleeping eye can still see. In the history of man, there has been no comprehensive reawakening or rebirth. This is impossible as long as man projects in the spirit of miscreation. It still remains within him. However, 
to project as God projected his own spirit to him. In reality, this is his only choice because his free will was given him for his own joy in creating the perfect. All fear is ultimately reducible to the basic misperception that man has the ability to usurp the power of God. It can only be emphasized that he neither can nor has been able to do this. In fact, this in this fact lies the real justification for his escape from fear. The escape is brought about by his acceptance of the atonement, which places him in a perfect position to realize that his own errors never really occurred. When he awakens, the light is correctly perceived as the release from the dream, which is no longer accorded reality. In reality, paragraph 17, you are perfectly unaffected by all expressions of lack of love. These can be either from yourself and others, or from yourself to others, or from others to you. Peace is an attribute in you. You cannot find it outside. All mental illness is some sort of external searching. Mental health is inner peace. It enables you to remain unshaken by lack of love from without and capable through your own miracles of correcting the external conditions which proceed from lack of loving others. That's a very nice summary of forgiveness. And let's see. Oh, gee whiz. Here we are almost precisely at the top of the hour. Uh, and so I would asked if anybody's um, willing to step forward and lead our reflection on today's lesson. Lesson 13, A Meaningless World Engenders Fear. Does someone feel... This is Donna. If there's no other volunteer, I will do it. Thank you, Donna. Appreciate it. I guess that means I'm doing it. I don't hear anybody <laughs> raise their hand. <clears throat> Friends, um, review one, uh, less, lesson 53, and on day 13. And the lesson is, A Meaningless World Engenders Fear. I'm going to read the first paragraph of the original, Lesson 13. Today's idea is really another form of the preceding one, except that it is more specific as to the emotion aroused. Actually, a meaningless world is impossible. Nothing without meaning exists. However, it does not follow that you will not think you perceive something that has no meaning. On the contrary, you will be particularly likely to think you do perceive it. Lesson 13. A meaningless world engenders fear in the paragraph. The totally insane engenders fear because it is 
completely undependable and offers no grounds for trust. Nothing in madness is dependable. It holds out no safety and no hope. But such a world is not real. I have given it the illusion of reality and have suffered from my beliefs in it. Now I choose to withdraw this belief and place my trust in reality. In choosing this, I will escape all the effects of the world of fear because I am acknowledging that it does not exist. A meaningless world engenders fear. I am acknowledging that it does not exist. And I'm going to go back and read Miracle 53, paragraph 98. Miracle Principle 53. The miracle compares what man has made with a higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his beliefs to this test, to that extent our perceptions are corrected. Thirteen, a meaningless world engenders fear. Let's take a moment. A meaningless world engenders fear. I am acknowledging that it does not exist. Amen. Lesson 13, a meaningless world engenders fear. Amen. Thank you, Donna. And thank you for including Miracle Principle 53. That was very, very lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. This is that the floor is open. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I would like to, to express 
to Fran how deeply grateful I am that she mans up, I mean that God-wise, and does this lesson. What an astounding accomplishment. And I'm so grateful to you, Lori, and to you, um, LeMoyne, that you um, do ask us to volunteer. And I've done a trinity, and God's done a lot of work in me, at both as a human being and as spirit, uh, by me uh, stepping up, so to speak. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. It is a real gift to um, to recognize that um, <laughs> in the teaching-learning relationship, I'm the learner. Um, there's a real gift in that, so thank you. So how did everybody feel about that, the way that uh, lesson instruction ends a meaningless world in gender sphere because I think I'm in competition with God? Anybody have any feelings about that? This is As soon as I thought I was in, as soon as I thought that I, that I wasn't one with God, um, I I got scared. So then I had to, and when I got scared, and this is what happens when I get scared, I think I have to be in control. And as soon as I think I have to be in control, then I'm in competition with God because I'm not in control. I'm, I have to be completely reliant on my relationship with my creator, which um, this... Uh, last paragraph for me was so poignant. 17, in reality, you are perfectly unaffected by all, I just would change that word, all perceptions of lack of love. And that's where I fell down. I didn't perceive that I was loved in any way, shape, or form until I established a relationship with my creator who who uh, shook my brain up enough to, to, to let go of all my perceptions of lack of love. Because I was perceiving lack of love everywhere. And, and to be so clear to say these can be either from yourself and others or from yourself to others or from others to you. I mean... That's it. When I get upset, it's because somebody's not treated me in the way that I think I could or should be treated. And, and then I take it personally. Um, and it's 
And the reason I take it personally is because that's a perception that I actually have of myself that was given to me by others, others, other people, not given to me by God. But once I could start to perceive myself the way God perceives me, I could just let go of all this. I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Sandra. That was a really complete share. So clear. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. This is Charles here. If I may, um, what competition with God is when I take responsibility for how I feel. I take responsibility for the experiences that I'm having to the point where I no longer recognize myself as a soul anymore. I see myself as a human being, uh, feeling guilty for the mistakes I've made, uh, making retribution, trying to ways to find ways to forgiveness, always looking outside of me for ways and means to find a way to um, pay amends for what I feel. And as I remember that I'm a vibrational being, that I have a soul, and I believe every man believes they are a soul, even the ones that say they have no soul, in order to make that statement must believe that there is a soul. That I did not create myself, but God created me. And in that, I offer him my life, my mistakes, my errors, and ask to see in a new light, in the light he created me in. And as I commune with my own soul, do I feel that grace fall upon me. And through the grace of God, I feel his love. And I no longer judge myself. I am the judge when I am in competition with God. I judge my performance. With that, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. I think I heard Robin Marie wanted to go in there, too. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <clears throat> well, follows along with what Charles just said. I loved in uh, 17. In reality, you are perfectly unaffected by all expressions of lack of love. Peace is an attribute in you. Mental health is inner peace. And then going back to uh, 11, um, a projection as undertaken by God is very similar to the kind of inner radiance which the children of the Father inherit from him. And that went along perfectly with what Charles shared. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie and Charles. This is Ida. Hi, good morning. Um, What I'm saying is the same thing as what the last four people said, basically, but to say it my way is that um, when 
It's all meaningless world and gender sphere. So fear is an appearance. It's not real, but what it appears to be is lack of love. Excuse me. When I feel that appearance of lack of love, um, then I suffer. When I suffer, I try to end my suffering. And I try to end it in my addictions to shopping and to eating sweet foods. But I can't do that anymore. So... <laughs> um, I'm here, and uh, when so when I suffer, the real way is to get back to the love which God is, which is inside of me. And however, however I do that, I ask someone to pray for me, or have a heart-to-heart talk with someone, or if I ask Jesus and my spiritual guides to help me, or if I do all of the above, <laughs> which I will do if I feel like I need it, um, it it works. And eventually, I get back to love and to the truth with a capital T, which we're learning through this course. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. I liked hearing all that. Thank you, Ida. Me too. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Yes, thank you. There's a couple lines. Hi, I'm Jude. A couple lines from the text that really gel for me with the lesson today. And it's in uh, paragraph 5. Um, It says, whenever projection is used inappropriately, it always implies that some emptiness or lack exists and that it is in man's ability to put his own ideas there instead of truth. Now, the lesson speaks specifically of that and um, calling this the detour this detour into fear where I'm a man, we're now men, or human, instead of beings, and, um, you know, that in 11, I love that paragraph, because it makes it so clear that these are all mistaken ideas, misperceptions, and the... the um, you know, that it can be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But it says that these are just distortions representing a picture of what actually occurred in the separation. None of this existed before, nor does it actually exist now. But the idea that the world was made, not created, made as a natural grand division or a projecting outward of God. Now that phrase, projecting outward of God, is I think the majority of um, the way most people perceive their relationship with God is God God is being outside of them somewhere. And it speaks of this specifically in 
you know, seeking peace outside myself, seeking love outside myself, seeking to, to save myself by attaching or seeking idols outside of myself, that any seeking outside of myself, I am inherently seeking God. And the Course teaches us that we can't do that. We can't find God outside because he's not outside. We have to know. We have to just know that it's, it, it's an inside job. So I just love that paragraph. Um, and the final line that it says um, that we, you know, we, we can project outward anything we want, but um, there is um, an appropriate and an inappropriate way to project and, you know, not to make ourselves comfortable um, by unnatural means, that we, we needn't seek outside of ourselves. But the real source is internal, and this is as true of the Son as of the Father. We are one, and there's no choice, nothing to seek and nothing to lose. Um, it's just such great stuff. I love the Course. Thanks for giving me a place to share. I am complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Always love to share. Yeah. Thank you, This is Charles here. I'd like to add on to what Judy just said because projection... A lot of us really don't, like for myself, I could speak for myself, one of the things I really didn't understand about projection, what, how projecting worked. Then I realized that the attention, the attention I give is the projection. It is the giver. And the awareness is the receiver. And as I put those two together, they're the only two things that are eternal that I am aware of within this existence that don't change. There's never change. The awareness or the attention always stays the same. They never change. And their source is always from the soul. And what comes through the attention is to where we see our source of attention is from. As I rest my attention in my awareness and being aware of being aware, and in other words, thinking of God's light, thinking of God's love, thinking of the beauty and the joy and the happiness that radiates from the soul. I feel that it fills my attention. And my attention projects out outwardly that which I experience from the light of God's love. And my awareness receives that reflection. And I behold the beauty around me, in me, and throughout everyone that I meet. I become aware of unity and love and wholeheartedness. Because perception of awareness and attention working together as one to share the vision of Christ. So, now that I am better understanding the idea of projection and the source of projection and how projection works along with awareness, because to project you also have to receive. 
And since giving and receiving are one, and they work together harmoniously. So I just thought I'd share that because it's something I've been working on this week in a a very strong way of uh, realizing the source of being that which is eternal, that which never changes. I'm a vibrational being. I read energy. I also send forth signals and frequencies. And I receive signals and frequencies. And I no longer see myself as a form, but I am lost within the form when I do. When I do see the form as being something that I understand, then I become lost and I no longer listen. My understanding of what I see stops me from listening. So, anyways, I do go on. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Charles. Your emphasis on awareness as product was perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Charles. I think I heard Karen right in there. Thank you, Charles. About to, thank you. Um, I was thinking of a few things. When I bring my awareness, which thank you, Charles, for emphasizing that, to inner radiance, on the call, I have the experience of the Holy Spirit inner radiance. Um, I feel so much light when we're on this call. And it's easy to remember on the call that um, I can turn my attention to that. I go to my heart and just try to really experience that heart-opening inner radiance. Um, My ego mind is everything else. It's the illusion of separation. It's... It believes that what God created has been changed and is not perfect, <laughs> and that you know, I, I, even though I, I know better, the ego is so strong in my core belief that, you know, mortal sin. I know it's my childhood um, programming that is. It's running a program all the time, that conditioned program. So it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, reading today to deny the falsehood, the illusion of separation, the related distortions of my mind, and just to be called back, just to be called back to the inner radiance. If I can keep my mind on the inner radiance, the spiritual love place where God extends through me, projects through me. Um, That's my point of healing and truth and coming home. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. I was also very much moved by the whole feeling of inner radiance all around from all of us and thank you for yours yes 
Thank you, Karen. Yes. Just one last thing. It's like I just have to remember wherever I am and when the world seems real to just go to that place inside and call the Holy Spirit. And thank you for letting me share that. Perfect response. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. This is Jessica. I just want to say that um, at this moment, I just want to really appreciate Lori. And, um, you know, I I get on these calls and I used to stay a lot longer, as you may remember. And I just feel very filled with the course and um, don't feel the need to stay as long, but, you know, feel the need to do other things. But I'm just so, so appreciative and grateful for your attentiveness on these calls. Like, you know, and Lee was that way too, and Lemoyne is that way. And, you know, but you, your ability to just really pick out what, to really hear what everyone is saying and pick out the sale, you know, a comment that really validates it and highlights the message in each person's sharing is just, it's just um, miraculous, you know. And I mean, the inner radiance comes out in in these calls from you just so powerfully. And I, I am eternally grateful. Thank you. I'm complete. Well, that was certainly a real gift. Well, it represents the gift we all share. Um, so perfectly. So thank you, Jessica. I would like to also second that. I'm so grateful that there is a place to study this together and share this um, consciousness that Jesus is opening us up to. And I'm very grateful, Lori, for you holding the space and Lemoyne and everyone else on the call. Thank you, Karen. We we can't. Um, well, it was it was to my great joy to realize that um, capital S self that we all share uh, can't be found alone, because by definition, uh, capital S self is not alone. And so that's the gift we give each other every morning. And and frankly, you know, um, a great part of the day I spend thinking about um, how would I say this or how would I share that or or uh, how could I express this, you know, the thoughts I think with God. And uh, that's the great gift of this call every morning that... Um, it's like a campfire, you know. Um, here's my exploration for the day, and let me tell you what I learned. 
and that's um you know it's not a marshmallow roast unless we all have marshmallows right and we all do um so that's the beauty of the whole thing i'm complete thank you Lori. now we go together and hold each other's hand along the way thank you Hi, guys. And should we all feel the contributions of, that we had of Lee and now of Lori and then of Lemoyne and everybody here to the extent that, of which they are capable, of which I cannot judge because only God can judge. And only God knows enough. But God chooses not to judge. So if God chooses not to judge, how can I? It's all lovely. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hey, um, when, um, putting together the the idea of uh, the de, the detour into fear, the fall of the separation, um, and leaving leaving my place in the kingdom of God, knowing that I'm perfect love and immortal spirit, changeless, inalterable, and the fall into fear, and the, um, the, the fear of the ego, the ego is equal to being fear itself, the state of fear, the state of being in fear, and um, the, the idea that the ego needs to control reality because it does not know who and what it really is. And um, just by the sheer definition that it it's separate, it's afraid. And um, so that 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 never has never existed. It doesn't exist now. And why would we believe in fear at all, or even think fearfully at all? Um, why do we persist in in holding on to these false fixed beliefs? Um, you know, I love it in the in the twelfth paragraph where it talks about you know as as a, an extension of of you know that the fall never it never happened, nor does it actually exist now. That um, it says that love in its right mind. Um, all loving creation is freely given and and, uh, that there's no levels to this now nor has there ever been you know that the the distortion with the distortion of believing that we could change ourselves came the the idea of levels and you know to 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 think of levels and hierarchy of needs and um you know, difficulty, difficulties and problems, and and difficulties in orders, and the order of miracles. You know, it's like this is like this is, I think, so crucial for my understanding of what the entire course teaches, and 
in this chapter right here, right now. So um, I love I love it. The first time I read it, I I I took it to heart that said all all of our my miscreations can literally disappear in the twinkling of an eye because they're merely visual visual misperceptions that all all um, you know that there's no reality to perception. All perception is distortion, and uh, mm. let's let it go. <laughs> it's all a dream, <laughs> and to know ourselves is spirit, purely mind. Um, that's all. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. That was really helpful. It's Karen again. I just want to highlight this one paragraph. Um, Judy, you just made me think of it. That man's spiritual eye can sleep, but a sleeping eye can still see. And what is seen in dreams seems to be very real. But the Bible mentions that a deep sleep fell upon Adam, but nowhere in, is there any reference to him waking up. And... That's life, you know, this life that goes on in this dream of, you know, it's so colorful, it's so vivid, it's like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, you know, she wakes up in Oz and it's so dramatic and there's all this scary stuff and it's a journey and it's a struggle and there are emotional highs and lows. At the end of the day, you know, she was sleeping. It was just... It was just a dream. And all our miscreations can literally disappear in the twinkling of of an eye. If only I can remember this now to everything that goes on. You know, once upon a time when I was with a guru, I felt like I could say to myself when things got crazy, I could say, oh, this is just Maya. This is just a big test. This is just, you know an orchestrated play to see if I'll bite, buy into it or I'll bite, you know. Or in Native American mythology, they say, you know, coyote can, you know, he taunts you and taunts you and taunts you until you make friends with him. And um, just need to remember now the idea that this is our collective human dream. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I love that story too for the for the reflective power um, that it represents. <laughs> what we do with truth and and how we make our nightmares. That that was really great. Thank you. Oh, I I so appreciated that what you just shared, Karen, because in really looking at the dark side, the insanity of the ego, and what the ego has made of this world, all the suffering, all the pain, all the war, the, the, all the conflict, it's only by looking at it right in the face that you can truly see the insanity of it. But this is where 
um, the composite one-mindedness of our true self comes right up. This is where the fountain of that spirit comes up for me, where I'm not in this alone, that together in the one-mindedness of the Christ and the Holy Spirit is where true, honest, genuine compassion and love comes forth and embraces and encompasses all of it in the most beautiful and peaceful way without any opposition to it whatsoever. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Well, this is a really tight little section, isn't it? Um, just these few paragraphs uh, describe the nature of the error and its correction. You know, we, we made just just one error. We believe the untrue. Um, let's see. I think it was about. Somewhere, somewhere back in 1990 or 1991, and I always wonder why I bring up how long ago, but but it's to reflect on um, reflect on how these final translations or reinterpretations get made. But it was back in 1991 where um, I came to uh, the absolute utter end of the furthest reach my ego could take me, and I knew it. And in utter, um, in utter and complete helplessness, I said, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I give it all up because I don't understand anything and I'm ready to take what the consequences are, whatever they may be, to giving up my way. And it was a... It was really complete giving up, and I, I had no idea of the consequence at the time. And it seemed as if I disappeared for a time. I mean, I described it like a, a near-death encounter because my consciousness was absent from the encounter. And um, and wordlessly, I was I was just given the truth in a real revelatory way as he said, hard to express. But uh, when when I came back to awareness from that moment, um, I heard in words uh, that I could understand two things. One, I am home. And secondly, all this was because you believed in opposites. <laughs> And it's been, oh dear, all these years since, how does that translate to my everyday, um, day-to-day experience of life? Uh, how do I, how do I understand? It? And you know, for the longest time, I'd sit and I'd, I'd write down pairs of opposites, hot and cold, black and white, um, 
you know, how many different sets of opposites can be seen. But this little section, this little section makes it really clear that there's truth and then there's everything that my mind has done with truth. There's truth. Uh, there's absolutely no need, lack whatsoever. There's no opposite to God. Everything is contained within and part of the mind of God. And because it's of like quality to God, it's of the same likeness. Image uh, refers to thought, okay? Thought of God. And likeness refers to of like quality as thought of God. Now, if I put the word holy there, I can start to understand what those words meant. All this is because you believed there was an opposite to holiness. And that's exactly what this section is saying. Um, I came to believe somehow um, the lie that there's an opposite to holiness. And in so doing, my mind was split. I have this great, vast mind of like quality containing thoughts like God's. And I have this little tiny fragment of mind that thinks there's an opposite to that. And that little tiny fragment is about the business of directing my experience. And I love how you said that, Sandra. Has me convinced that I have to be in control. This little tiny fragment has me convinced that this life and world needs to be controlled in some way because it doesn't understand or lost access to the truth that it was always and will remain perfect, was created and will always remain perfect, and that it can't be changed. Its perfection can't be altered. Uh, it can't be distorted, nor can anything else in the mind of God and that this tiny fragment has no business trying to determine <laughs> the direction of this life and world. It's a tight little package that, that helps me understand what I did with truth. Not I, but this tiny little fragment of I. The truth of I, I am, remains perfectly unaffected by all acts of love and perfectly able through its access to truth to control the effects of all acts of, of love. Its access to truth being the access and the ability to choose a miracle in place of the error that this tiny little fragment is um, displaying for me to see in my experience. It's like a giant chalkboard. You know, the way this tiny fragment of mind uses its own independent thoughts, its own opposite thoughts, its own absolutely, totally flipped from truth um, thoughts that it believes. This tiny little fragment believes all this and as a consequence uh, experiences great fear. The other thing I like about this section um, being the tight little package that it is. Um, it's like a chalkboard. Um, 
this tiny little fragment of mind has a chalkboard in front of it all the time writing meaning in the space because it lost it lost this tiny little fragment lost access to truth and so it's all 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 the time writing its its belief about what this is and what the other thing is and what this means and what the other thing means and that sense of control that it thinks it has of course it produces great fear fear could be another name for ego and all that it produces in its environment or milieu is a consequence of its loss of access to truth uh, there's a third thing I like about this section and that's that if I don't um, give my thoughts to the thought <laughs> that there could be an opposite to God it's given me to understand that the soul has always and will always be in communication with truth and that because the soul is created perfect and the soul and everything in creation is of like quality to God everything in creation is in communication with with every other aspect of creation and the only thing that can affect that communication is if I with my tiny fragment of mind place a mistake in the field so forgiveness as he talks about it in paragraph 16 forgiveness is simply the withdrawal I take it back I cancel cancel um, the consequence of the mistake I wrote the mistake I dreamed the thought that I projected erroneously onto creation I take it back and truth is instantly restored to me in the twinkling of an eye and finally um, the other thing I really like about this section because truth is always in communication with truth um, how can I say this um, you've had that experience I'm sure where you run into someone um, you greet them with your eyes and for just a moment you realize you've known that person all your life that sense of deja vu uh, we get that from time to time is it's a real deep and um, absolute certainty that this person is exactly like me and because I know myself the way you describe that Charles was just perfect because I know myself I know this person who is exactly the same as me they may have different ways to express uh, who they are but the basic content of that person is exactly like me instantly I know that in a deja vu experience that's the truth that's behind everything all the time um, pretty soon we'll come on a, a lesson that says I will let the door behind this world be open for me <laughs> and and I will know the truth I can erase my mistakes I can allow my mistakes I should say that better in paragraph 15 
I can allow my mistaken perceptions because they're all mistakes. It doesn't matter what the nature of the mistake is. Whatever misperception, misperception I have, I can allow all of it to be erased in the twinkling of an eye when I accept atonement for myself. That one miracle that contains all miracles, that perfect defense that can't harm or hurt or defend me from truth at all because it is the essence of truth. That this soul, all souls, have always been in communication with God and the nature of that communication is loving awareness that includes innocence, perfection, and eternal timelessness, changelessness. When I accept atonement for myself, it feels like, and that's where I started when I came back to myself all those years ago and said I am home, it feels like I'm the last to realize that this creation is and always was totally perfect. And with that realization, I've accepted atonement for all creation. He says, uh, forgive, it's privilege of the forgiven to forgive. Um, that wholeness is the content of all miracles. That truth will restore all errors in my mind. Everything disappears when I have access to truth. And Charles, I love the way you described um, access to truth as awareness. He says, you who are part of first cause, recognize that there is only first cause, there is only source, and everything created is exactly like the thought of God by which it was created or projected from his mind. And when that reality dawns on my mind, Here's an expression that I know you'll recognize. It was a favorite of mine that Lee used to say. When my awareness lands on the truth of me, it establishes the perfect power of peace over all circumstances. Why? Because the notion that there's an opposite to God disappears. There's no need to write error in the space that when truth arrives in my mind, I will project only truth because my awareness has landed on the truth of me. And I realize that everything else, everything else was a mistaken idea that I wrote on top of creation. But I can let the door behind this world be open for me and realize that truth has always been the same. That um, there isn't a state of absolute need lack because we're all filled with the abundance of God that the only thing that ever needed to be corrected was a notion of separation from God this tight little section forms the basis of the illusion that we call or he calls this world and it's the basis for uh, the real world or the happy dream. 17 tiny paragraphs. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori.
Thank you so much, Corey. Still time for for another share or two. So Go we ahead. got a command. <clears throat> this is Donna. Um, do I have about three minutes or not that long? Oh, sure. Yeah. Eight minutes. Yeah. Eight. First, I would like to affirm, confirm, and agree with what uh, was said earlier about you, Lori. And <clears throat> when I was <laughs> trying to think about, boy, how Larry get here? She had a nice soft life and a lot of money and didn't have to do anything and decided to do something like this. And then um, reality <laughs> and the dream came to me. And so this is kind of quotes because it's how it unfolded. Great and the dream, great suffering lets grace, mercy, and love do its greatest work in souls who are willing to let God heal and restore perfect vision. And I think that's a beautiful description of you, Lori. And I, too, found this section tight. I didn't understand that word when you use it. But I, after reading this section, I had this, I don't know, freshness or airiness. Or at first I interpreted it as, uh, oh, I, this, I got this. I, I don't need to read anymore. And I knew that wasn't the right thought. <laughs> so I was led to, to the lesson. And had I not done it, I would not have even noticed the last sentence, probably. But I was sent back here, and the first and the last sentences, a meaningless world, and the last part of the last sentence, does not exist. Then when I turned back to the page, Genesis 1-1 came to me. So I looked it up to see for sure what it really said. And this is what it said. I'm going to quote the first part. Quote, in the beginning, God, end quote it. And I said, that's what I'm feeling. That's what I got in the beginning. So it's this, so it like, it was a completeness or something, uh, for something and, and me. And what I got from, from the reading was, uh, it's talking about the separation here, one through four. So I marked down separate steps, uh, separation steps, the steps to separation, and I'm just going to read this. First, the assumption that perfection can be changed lays the groundwork for insanity. Second, the concept that imperfection can usurp perfection lays a wide path placing Belief and unbelief where the gift of faith yet stands and, quote, waits, end quotes. Three, belief are the blocks of sand that we, may, we make to make the blocks of sand that we make to make a better creation than the son's father created. 
and four. The I the word idea kind of got me a little bit, but quote idea end quotes, also known as belief or misperception, confirm man has created himself. Man, the image and likeness of God, has thus, in God's rest, fell into a deep sleep, which Jesus has come once again to awake us from. And from paragraph 14, it revealed to me, truth cannot be made untrue by belief that it is not truth. And from paragraph 17 tells me, to stand fast, I am complete. Mm, that was beautiful, Donna. Stand fast in truth, huh? Thank you. Anyone else? Final share. Or comment or okay well then uh, I was directed to um, chapter 12 in chapter 12 the problem of guilt there's a section called the two emotions uh, that I think are um, some of the most beautiful works paragraphs in the whole work but I'll give two. We have said that you have but two emotions, love and fear. One is changelessly but continually exchange being offered by the eternal to the eternal. In this exchange it is extended for it increases as it is given. The other has many forms for the content of individual illusions differs greatly. That's why there are private worlds. Yet they have one thing in common. They are all insane. They are made of sights which are not seen and sounds which are not heard. They make up a private world which cannot be shared. For they are meaningful only to their maker, so they have no meaning at all. In this world, their maker moves alone, for only he perceives them. Vision depends on light, and you cannot see in darkness. Yet in the darkness, in the private world of sleep, you see in dreams, although your eyes are closed and it's here, you see what you made. But let the darkness go, and all you made, you will no longer see, for sight of it depends on denying vision. Yet from de denying vision, it does not follow that you cannot see. But this is what denial does, for by it you accept insanity, believing you can make a private world and rule your own perceptions. Yet for this, light must be excluded. Dreams disappear when the light has come. You have but two emotions, one you made and one was given you. Each is a way of seeing, and different worlds arise from their different visions. See through the vision that is given you, that is the truth. For through Christ's vision, he beholds himself. And seeing what he is, he knows his Father. 
Beyond your darkest dreams, he sees God's guiltless sun within you. Within you, shining in perfect radiance, which is undimmed by your dreams. And this you will see as you look with him to the truth of the atonement. For his vision is his gift of love to you, given him of the Father for you. Isn't that beautiful? The two visions, the two emotions. Thank you very much, everyone, for reflecting on this. This morning with me, I've sure enjoyed it. Thank you so much. That was magnificent. Thank you, Lori. It was great closure for today. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful weekend. The two lessons coming up are even more elucidative of what this tiny fragment of mine does with truth. So, great weekend coming up. Thanks, everyone.